This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend, Daniel Krupa, and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we're feeling very festive as Jonathan and Maddie investigate how a magician could be seen killing herself despite dying much earlier that day. Every week on this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of the incredible Black Canary? Retired magician Morella Carney is seen committing suicide, even though she died much earlier that day. Yeah, that is pretty much all it is, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot more stuff. I try to drill it down as much as mm. possible. I guess the other thing I've admitted from there is the big thing is when she's seen committing suicide... She's accosted by this mysterious stranger who leaves no footprints in the snow. Yeah. That's the more immediate mystery. But then that kind of takes a backseat to the fact that she actually died much earlier in the day. I think this could be a Hollywood film. It is that good. I mean, it is. It's called The Prestige. (laughs) It is such a good, like, episode yeah, Did they work on it for a year? <laughs> was he working on it for that long? I was long? trying to think about this because we were talking about it last episode of how it, mm. like, we end of season two leaves Johnny and... Um, I keep calling him Johnny when I say Johnny. Johnny. I think you're doing a podcast Matt. about it now. You're on, like, really good yeah, terms with Yeah, that's the thing with Johnny and Maddie. It kind of leaves them on that cliffhanger and their relationship mm. is going nowhere. It's just the cliffhanger of them going to the chippy. Yes. Yeah. This is Christmas Eve later that year. They definitely yeah. filmed this in the summer. You can definitely tell that in some scenes. <laughs> I love all the scenes where they're pretending to be cold when it's quite obviously summer. Yeah, they got really red cheeks. <laughs> yeah. But also, there's lots of trees that definitely should not have leaves on. Yeah. This is my favorite episode, I think, because there's just so much amazing stuff in it. And I think for for most of it, it is probably down to Rick Mail as Gideon Pryke. Bit of a poser, wouldn't you say? One way or another. Adds a bit of spice to the otherwise humdrum routine of the Criminal Investigation Department. Detective Inspector Gideon Pryke, we haven't met. Oh, uh, Jonathan Creek. I'm a friend of the family. And no mean theorist in your own right, they tell me. We talk about it a lot on this podcast, about how inept and but the, the police are, but also just how crap they are as characters. Even in someone like Gallows Gate, where you almost get a decent detective... But you kind of don't really... There's not much to him. It's not a really famous actor or anything. But in this, you get Rick Mail. And I think what they do with the character... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying Ken Speed is not a real detective? (laughs) Fuck Ken Speed. Um, And that's why they had to leave her a year. They were like, oh, no, we can't have Rick Mail following Ken Speed. Um, But I think what they do with his characters have him almost as Jonathan's equal. uh, And as like... But not in a... Not competitive. Not in a competitive he's quite, way, yeah. He embraces Jonathan because I think he's so confident in his own ability. Yeah. There's something quite Sherlock Holmes about him in the sense that he has seemingly amassed a lot of incidental and meaningless knowledge just so he can apply it to the <laughs> art of deduction. That yeah. he knows how what woodpecker tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such like lovely little flourishes like that that I just think are amazing. Um I've never been I haven't been able really to see this corroborated anywhere. It's mentioned in a couple of different websites and stuff, and obviously not many people are writing about this. But apparently Rick Mail was in like properly in the running to be Jonathan Creek instead of Alan Davis. Um but apparently a lot of actors were. But 
there was no way that he could do it because of his theater um stuff that he had to do with his theater stuff i can't so. imagine rick mail playing jonathan i can't imagine rick mail being someone that is that kind of socially awkward yeah, it's a completely different character, I think. It's a completely different show. I know he's played other socially awkward characters, but not in the same way that Jonathan is socially awkward. It's a complete... They have to... Compl- it's a completely rewrite, I think. Because I know... I have read, definitely, that Renwick did base a lot of Jonathan Creek on just a lot... Just hanging out with how Alan Davis was in real life. Like, the duffel coat is straight up Alan Davis's duffel is it? coat. So apparently he wore it into either the audition or into a meeting. Yes, and please. Renwick was like... 100% we're using that duffel coat. I guess also um, his hair is like a big yeah. part of him. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's an obvious thing to say, but that is how Alan Davis... I remember seeing Alan Davis do stand-up before that. Yeah. When I was a little kid, I think you were the same when I was 12, 13, I used to watch a lot of stand-up. It was huge. Like stand-up DVDs and stand-up VHS. I used to watch them like, all the time. That was my Christmas presents. Like that's what I yeah, used to same. get. And, and then just absolutely rinse them. Um, I kind of went away a little bit. Um, probably because the horrible saturation the, of it. What was the thing on Friday nights on BBC One, like Live at Jonglers? Yes, yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to watch that as well. Yeah. And, it, and that's how, how I first know, knew him. Yeah. As this awkward stand-up. But yeah, like, you know, it is obviously a different show with him. I am glad they brought him back for this because in some respects it is good just to have a character that does make you realize how rubbish some of the other characters have been but also in just a functional way i guess they've just gone there's so much going on in this that we can't just keep cutting back to jonathan and maddie Mm. uh, because we need other people to kind of not help out necessarily but we need somebody else to just cut to and we can't Um, just keep having crap police (laughs) um he's such a force of nature though rick mail's performer obvious thing to say but when he's not the main character and he's a guest star, like when he is in Blackadder, he just yeah. dominates any scene he's in. He's obviously, I like, we both absolutely adore him and like grew up watching Bottom and other things that he was in, like young ones I just loved. And you should watch like as a naughty kid, like taped it. But it must be for someone like that to come in as when you haven't really got to take the load of a show, when you're coming in as a guest star, it must be such a good laugh. Where you're yeah. someone like Rick Mail to come in and go, I'm like coming like an absolute whirlwind, steal every single scene. And also, yeah, but also, it, see, like Alan Davis has said, this is his favorite episode because he got to work with Rick Mail for the first time. And it, and like, even you can just tell everybody's having a great time in it. It's like he's not coming in and stealing the scene like away from you, he's adding something to your own scene. To your own, I just That's what everyone always says about Rick Mail, though, because I think the way that he is. You'd expect people to go, oh, he's, maybe he's a dickhead, but mm. people just love him because I think he is yeah. a generous performer. Oh, I love him I, um, so much. If people don't know who Rick Mail is, then oh. start this podcast is not very good, but definitely go look him up straight away. Um, but I saw him once uh, in the Tesco uh, garage by my house, uh, in the Tesco Express garage in uh, Ealing Common. And he was in there and he was just in front of me in the queue. And I saw him by and I in- rec- instantly recognized him. And I was like, no, because you, you, you're not meant to go up to people. Yeah. And I just thought he just wants to buy petrol and go for the day. He, he was buying like tins of something as well. He was like, he's obviously just, he's just going about his business, doing his bits. And I was like, I really oh. wanted to say hello. And then he did. And then a couple of years later, he died. And I was like, why, why didn't you do that? I wish I'd done that. Have you ever seen, again, if people don't know who he is, even if you do know who he is, Go and watch the commencement speech he gives at Exeter University. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's f- Rick Mail's five principles to leave it a brilliant life. 
<laughs> it's so good. I saw. I was literally just reading an interview um, about him getting that, and he's gen- he's really proud of getting the oh, honorary doctor from X. Because yeah. um, he's like, he says in this interview, he's like, it's a fucking hard university to get into. Because <laughs> <laughs> he like dropped out of university. He, he did drama at Manchester, I think. Yeah, he's re- he's really really proud of the fact that he got it, which I just think is amazing. Um, he, <laughs> a, he does some amazing stuff in it, but. Like I think a couple of my favorite lines, they don't kind of, they don't really go into any of uh, the stuff that we talk about. But a couple of my favorite bits <laughs> when he said, when the man is uh, smashes the window uh, when he attacks Jonathan. What's your game? This. What's yours? Tiddlywinks. Now piss off before I nick the pair of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh so much. could sell that as well as he does. And then uh, when. When he thinks he's, you know, when he f- finds the teeth, gets it, g- finds the tooth, gets it back, then it's Jonathan Creek's, like, turns the monitor around. <laughs> and Jonathan Creek goes, are you joking? And he just walks. And if you watch it, it seems like it takes ages. Oh, yeah. He walks, like, the other side of his office, opens the door. And you think, like, oh, he's going to f- call a detective or something. And he just sticks his head out and goes. No, I can't hear anyone laughing. What? It's so funny. <laughs> it's quite gross, uh, Gideon Pryke. Gideon Pryke, crazy name as well. Mad name. Why? <laughs> Why this name? Um, he, he refers to um, all the, the, the crime as adding a bit of spice. And I think that's what he does <laughs> to Jonathan Creek. He definitely adds a bit of spice to it. He definitely does. I think he, I think the story for this uh, for this episode is very very good but I think adding him as an extra character as well just elevates it a lot mm. and there, there's a lot of good in this there's a couple of bad things It's all the bad things is Adam Klaus to be fair um, <sighs> but uh, <laughs> in, in in this I think he is he's really getting good. worse but the effect is is it's such a lovely heartbreaking premise as well so it's a man watching his wife commit suicide, essentially. Yeah, which is horrible. And that's and Christmas I, Eve, is it? That's Christmas Eve material, Renwick. <laughs> um, and uh, like, also, we talked about Rick Mail, but uh, like the other people they get in as well. Like, it's an amazing cast of people um, in this. I remember uh, the guy who plays uh, Jerry, like Francis Matthews. Like he's in, he was in a bunch of Hammer stuff. The thing that I remember, because my nan had it on tape and she should show it to us, he's in um, the Rasputin film with Christopher Lee. Oh, I've seen which that. Which I don't know if you've ever seen. I, as a child, I should not be watching that. My nan should not be showing, showing you to me that. that. On a Saturday afternoon, she should not be showing me that. I always remember that he's in that. Um, and he's what, absolutely Rasputin? fantastic. No, he's not Rasputin. Christopher Lee is Rasputin. Of course. Uh, makes, <laughs> makes sense what you say now. Of course, Christopher Lee's um, here. But yeah, he's he's amazing at that. Uh, you know the lady. Well, I always I remember Morella Carly. What's um what's the what's the other Carney lady's or, name? Is, is Beryl. Beryl and, and Morella Carney. <laughs> Let me double check that because we can't do a whole episode not knowing <laughs> yeah. the other name. Because she didn't come up on um, IMDb when I was looking. She's not on IMDb. I know because she's not in it. She's yeah, so Beryl. Really, Beryl. Beryl. Oh, she's Beryl in some Carney, of the flashbacks, yeah. but because it is yeah, a different suppose, actress. Yeah. Isn't it? No, it's, just, it's got to be the same one. We'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the fact that some people can tell them apart and some can't. Do you know, the so the lady who plays Morella Carney, who is, do you know what she's really famous for? Hannah Gordon. Uh, yeah. Uh, no? This That's is. Nice name, Hannah Gordon. This is amazing. 
she is the lady who kills Victor Meldrew in the last episode of One Foot in the Grave. (laughs) Believe it. She runs him over. Wait, when was wait? I've got wait. I'm going Gideon Pryke. I'm opening. When was the last episode? Is this pre or post uh, killing Meldrew? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Let me me find. I want to know whether this whether Renwick has seen her in this. Going, yeah, you could kill him. Yeah, because I that's the thing. Uh, I I, because I watched. Um, because obviously since we started doing this podcast, I've watched a lot of clips of One Foot in the Grave. Um, and I watched him die recently, so that's why when I came to be watching this, I was like, "Where do I re- where where do I recognize it from?" Because I've seen this episode so many times, I was like, "It's because you've seen this episode so many times." Actually, it's because she killed Victor Meldrew. So this is interesting. One, there's only thirty six episodes of One Foot in the Grave. Just putting that out there to you, Gav. What? 36 episodes. Between the six seasons, season five, there's a five-year gap between that and the final season while he's doing all the creek, getting the creek up and running. So she appears in Black Canary before she kills Meldrew. Ah. Also, some of the titles for One Foot in the Grave episodes are beautiful. Rearranging the dust. It's lovely. To be fair, just before we started recording this, we were like, even if it's a bad Jonathan Creek episode, guaranteed the episode name is beautiful some in some of, way some of these sound like jonathan creeks the secret of the seven sorcerers um i i'm assuming the same people who do the music for jonathan creek did the music for one foot in the grave because the music when uh victor meldrew gets killed it's dance macabre yeah <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> imagine it's exactly the same pretty much as uh, as jonathan creek music I honestly, I couldn't tell you how much I'd love it if it was shared universe. <laughs> if Jonathan Creek solved Victor Meldrew's murder, I, I guess it's before uh, shared universes were a big thing. But would it have been so bad to have his wife in House of Monkeys just mention an ex-husband oh, who didn't yeah. believe things? I don't. Think, I, I think that would be. I quite know. Nice. You, yeah, this is before shared universes were a thing. But man, when DCI Ken Speed mentioned DCI Masterson. Oh yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Little twelve-year-old Daniel was spinning. That we were quite. That is actually quite exciting, isn't it? Um, (laughs) That's not even shared universe. That's just universe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we talk about the method, Dan, um, because we are we we we, we're being a bit looser with this because I think we just love it so much. Um, But so actually. Uh, Morella Carney committed suicide early in the day, unbeknownst to a murderer, Lionel Precop, which is something I always forget. But he finds out that actually it hasn't been Morella Carney all these years. Yeah. Um, it's been Beryl Carney all these years. And I think, I guess he feels cheated and angry um, because he was in love in, he is in love with like service, you know, like servitude, you know, when you're really, you've, you've devoted your life to these people and they've, basically been lying to you I, I guess there's also the additional thing that's never really resolved was it an accident because the the, yeah. the the flashback is neutral yeah but at the end they start speculating whether she did actually murder her sister mm. and if it was murder then maybe he's got a bigger motivation for doing it yeah but anyway Morella Carney is is dead because she's killed herself uh Lionel Precop um then 
recycles one of her illusions uh, involving a precisely positioned mirror to make it appear as she ki- as though she killed herself in front of her husband Jerry. When it's actually that. Lionel doing it's it, it's actually Lionel. Yeah, very elaborate and lovely. I think it is brilliant. I always forget, and I think I guess maybe I mix it up slightly with Dance Macabre. In I always thought for some reason that, and it is actually quite mucky in the episode, I always thought for some reason that Lionel, instead of actually murdering her out of spite, is doing it because he didn't want it to go out that way. He didn't want yeah. it to go out via suicide. Honestly, I thought the same thing watching today. Or, yeah, or that it, she was terminally ill. I've completely blended it with Dance Macabre. Which is which it's like, I like the idea of him not wanting her to have that kind of death. Um, and then going, right, I'm going to stage this elaborate death instead. But I guess that would be a little bit too similar to Dance Macabre, even yes. though everyone is in on it. Whereas, I, I, I think it's kind of strange. And Maddie even says in the episode, he's like, uh, maybe you already knew that she'd already killed herself. And I was like, why are you saying that line? Because he doesn't know she's already killed herself. Because if his thing is to kill her, why wouldn't he just let her be dead if she'd killed herself? I don't get that. It's I don't weird. know why I put that line in the episode, because it really muddies the waters a little bit. Yeah, I also um, think with this one, the deduction on it is kind of not very straightforward because we've got Gideon. But yeah. also, this episode increasingly gets hijacked by, and in a good way, Maddie, Jonathan, and Charlotte stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. So the, the, the actual detection bit, the clues, they're all kind of squeezed up up front. Yeah. And they don't, there's not really a lot of elaboration on them like we get in other episodes. There's not mm. a lot of Jonathan working through it. Yeah. It kind of all falls into place a bit more than other episodes. Yeah. Because we've got I the shortened lamp flex, the sign mm. in the note with an X and not a name, which I think they make a bit too much of. Yeah. The limping man is a thing. They go obviously on that kind of a wild goose chase until it's not finding the limping yeah. man and then that small one of the blood the thing that looks like blood but it's actually nail varnish inside the lift that someone rips off while they're in the room why it what is that i can't i couldn't even remember that really i, I remember the, them talking about it and then that's how gideon comes in but i don't remember so i think it's the first time that jonathan realizes the other sister is alive and the basically one of the sisters that when it the, the sister that's meant to oh god i'm getting confused now <laughs> Morella Carney famously didn't like going in boxes. So That's right, in yeah. their magic double act, which nobody knew was a double act, her twin sister was always the one coming out of the boxes because she hated it. Yeah. So Jonathan thinks it's weird that Morella Carney is then using that lift, which is tiny. And yes. Morella Carney is the one that uses red nail varnish. And that's what that is on the on the wallpaper. There you go. That that. That does make sense then, because then that kind of adds to the... Who rips it, it off the wall, the, Gideon rips it off. Does he? Yes, because that's how we're introduced to Gideon, because he's like, get this down the lab straight away. Uh, um, so I, I guess that kind of beefs up the sign in the note with an X thing. Yes, because um, it's like, why didn't you use mother? Why did you not use a name? Yeah, that, for me, like, I don't think this type of thing is strong enough to bring back as an element or anything like that. But that, for me, is falls into kind of what we've been talking is... When Jonathan really, really runs with something that I don't necessarily agree with. Like, for me, that is almost... Sign the note with an X thing and having such a big thing into that is almost up there with the panning shot yeah. in Reconstitution. He's locked Corpse. onto it, like locking onto an idea. 
when it for me it's like oh it's a possible i very yeah i very rarely sign my name at the bottom of like notes to like my partner my family and stuff quite like weirdly that. though when like- we were organizing this call today you did actually sign it like you went daniel gavin <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's true actually um but i very really would write like gav like happy yeah. birthday clara love from gav <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's something weird about it like i don't I, know from now on you're gonna write beryl carney yeah <laughs> um but i i think that's quite good i do like you know we talk, we've been talking about coincidences and them being quite fanciful mm. uh how things come about and things like that the coincidence of I don't necessarily think the coincidence like that limping man coming out like what are the odds that that man would come down at that time like I I actually think that's I love that uh, element of it yeah I think um, certain things like that are necessary in fiction otherwise it's just, yeah it's not it's meant boring. to be reality <laughs> it's just when yeah. they stack up to a point where it breaks yeah because I guess you you can almost say that with how. Jonathan and Maddie come to be involved in this a little bit. Well, it's also like, why do you need the scene of them passing each other outside Monument Station? Mm. No, because she'll get into contact anyway. I guess like, it jogs her mind of who Jonathan is. But it is yeah. a bit weird to, like, it is that is a coincidence, literally a coincidence they've met just before she needs him after three years. Yeah. But it's a lovely scene. It is lovely. I'm trying to figure yeah. out what tube station that is because I don't look like Monument. Oh, no, it is Monument. No, it's, I know which exit it is, actually. Because I used to get that one to IGN, actually. <laughs> I just realised. Well, that's the one that I used to get every single morning. Um, So that one looks like... But I never used to get that entrance. I used to get. I used to walk down the naughty, uh, the exit way in Monument because I used to walk over London Bridge. There you go. Ooh. So that's why when I looked at it the first, I was like, that's a Monument. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's like a really really small uh, archway which is just for exit. But if you Ooh. go down, you avoid the actual main uh, thing. There you go. Little two pack for you. Um, <laughs> that's why Jonathan didn't know about. Yeah, you know, there's obviously lots of other stuff going on. Um, and if we talk about like big coincidences as well. The fact that Mr. Lau also gets in touch with Adam is quite a wild what? coincidence. <laughs> How is that happening? It's not Mr. like Lau they who's... even put him in touch. It's completely independent. It seems completely like. independent. Uh, Mr. Lau, who we see operating on Jerry at the beginning. Yeah, it's not like Hannah are trying to get to Jonathan Adam. through him. They're just, just scamming him separately. And also, unfortunately, and quite sort of cheekily, really, they really need to get home hold of Mr. Lau. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and then Jonathan goes, oh, I know exactly where he is at this moment in time. Brilliant. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> Even though we've got we've got an hour and a half of this episode, you could have put in a nice little story about how you found him. No. <laughs> I think I also hate it because... Oh, we we'll get on to Adam and Grot later on, obviously. Yeah. But it just makes Adam look like such a shit magician. Yeah. I hate it. The fact that he's taken in by this confidence trick. Like, also, on a similar note, the fact that Charlotte is and Jerry, yeah. her mother and his wife was a magician. Yeah. And they're taken in by this. It's odd. It's really odd. I think that's also, a really weird thing. I think a really sad thing as well is... Adam is taken in by it, but we're like I know we're meant to think that he's an idiot. You, I know Jonathan is his ingenieur. He's still a magician. He's like, still a talented ca- magician. You, you can't just like if I like I have no magical ability at all. I can't have an ingenieur come in, 
and do all my tricks and then I sud- just because he comes up with them all I still need to be able to do them all, I still need to have an ability all famous magicians have been obsessed with magic since kids and they've been yeah. practicing since the, like he'll be a talented magician it, like if we believe he's going to Vegas to perform he's had TV yeah. specials he's had runs in the West End yeah he is well, a talented this- magician he says in this episode, he was in the front row for Morella Carney's, like the real yeah. one. Uh, he was in the front row of her last performance. He so he loves magic. loves magic, yeah. Maybe the thing, it's almost like a rationalization for it. Whether in recent yeah. years, he's just got obsessed with all the money, the fame and the women. Yeah. And he's just lost yeah, his no, focus of like why he got involved in magic in the first place. That's true, actually. But it shouldn't really still, that doesn't explain how he's taken in by Lau. <laughs> yeah because presumably that um grift is actually quite age old like i remember the first time i saw it um was in man on the moon i knew you were gonna say um, that, yeah that jim carrey film where he talks about um andy kaufman's life and i think that is based on a true thing that he did like he went to india i think to like or somewhere like that to see a mystic yeah, faith healers, to get rid yeah. of his cancer faith healers yeah but i don't understand how adam is getting in grifted by that yeah it it really takes a big hit at his credibility which i think they already do through other ways you don't think i feel i don't think it works if he's a shit magician he can be a flawed human being he can be a pervert he can't be a crap magician because jonathan works for him i really Um, passionately believe that yeah do you, do you think it makes sense i think i think it all kind of holds up and i think it's got it's got decent amount of sort of magic finesse behind the trick i know it does rely on a lot of things like and i do really like that stuff they show stuff going wrong yes i because like you know you gotta have outs on a trick if it goes wrong i'd like that thing because that's what's the classic thing a lot of people say about um, magic the old joke is oh it's all done with mirrors this is a one that is done with a mirror yeah and i like that um, and it's also they're really tightly because Jerry can't walk and he's in a wheelchair mm. they can very tightly control the sight lines which is good yeah that's um, really good I think when you drill down into some of the Beryl Morella stuff it gets a bit weird because when which one dies Morella Beryl dies di- Morella dies Morella dies yeah Beryl yeah. whose daughter Hannah has run away to Australia in yes. that split second, decides to become the mother to Charlotte and the wife to yeah. Jerry, because instead of breaking their hearts, Hannah recognizes it's not her mum when she comes home after years in Australia. Why don't yeah. in that moment Jerry and Charlotte, even though she's a kid, not recognize that that's not their partner and mother? I think. Well, the kid is the girl. I can kind of explain away. Because I guess she's really, really young. She's 12. So I think if they are identical twins... I can kind of get away with that a bit. Yeah. With Jerry, I guess you could do that thing where... Fancy the sister. Maybe deep down he knows. Yeah. But the actual reality of it, it's quite a heartbreaking thing, but it's also quite beautiful in a way. Yeah. The the reality of admitting it is actually worse than going on with a lie. Proper prestige stuff, that, that bit. It's, it's absolute prestige stuff. It also kind of a little bit. for the both um, of us now. Also, a kind of a little bit reminded me of. I'm sure there is a way better version of this story somewhere, and I, it obviously is based on a beautiful version of it. But in The Simpsons, <laughs> when uh, <laughs> when Martin Sheen's uh, real Principal Skinner comes back, I have never been happier or prouder to be Seymour Skinner. 
You're not Seymour Skinner. Skinner! Skinner? I'm Skinner. Seymour? Oh. Mother! She's my mother! So I'm sure there is this There's idea. There's lots is of like similar things, isn't there? Like Summersby's yeah. a bit like that, Tale Two City's a yeah. bit like that. I, I guess that, that was quite a big Lame is, yeah. Cool. I guess like like great expectations as well, a little bit. Like it's based on the idea of you, what your past isn't actually your past. Um, I guess that was probably quite a big And Black Fury is the best fictional embodiment of that <laughs> After The Simpsons, yeah. Yep. Um, I think that's how I explain it away with Jerry. I think Jerry secretly does know. Um, yeah. And then it goes on. But then, I can see that. And then, you know, Hannah coming back into her life and realizing later on straight away. Um, Immediately. Her. Immediately. Because my dad was an um, identical twin. You You can yeah. tell the difference. <laughs> you, can, you can you can even though they were identical and they look similar they yeah. look different as well yeah his like that's the thing i don't i don't have uh much experience with identical twins unfortunately but i feel like yeah there's more to it than that so but me you know in back then and back in the time of the prestige you know that is a long time ago easier before to people, get away with it people people are a little bit less switched on <laughs> so <laughs> people used to get conned all the time by Griffiths Ex exactly it's a private function can anyone join in what in the hell's name for god's sake Adam you of all people Mr Lau we've heard so much about you we just had to come and see for ourselves okay we've had the effect the method and the reveal but there are also certain elements which make up every single Jonathan Creek episode uh, included the Victor Meldrew Award. Like, obviously, the Victor Meldrew Award can't go because I didn't believe it when I saw that the lady who killed Victor Meldrew is in this episode. Um, that is an unbelievable but I feel moment. It is an unbelievable moment. I think this, there's a standout moment in this. I mean, I think we've well. probably both got the same one. <laughs> And it's up there with a fucking poached octopus. Um, but the frog coat and top hat. <laughs> what in the name of hell is this? Am I in the right theatre? Hard to believe, isn't it? What a gifted designer can pull together in 48 hours. I think you'll agree Elsa has surpassed herself. Well, I try not to give you just any old frog coat. Always for Adam, something a bit special, yes? Frog coat? You're sure the flippers are not too restricting? Show me again. It's Utterly bonkers. Like, Jonathan goes off on it, goes off about it, and he's really angry about it. But also, when he first sees it, he's like, frog coat. He's like, wah, wah. It's, it's proper dad joke, groan-inducing. Yeah. Bobby uh, really wants Meldrum. to see what the Jack the Ripper trick was. Yeah, Sounds good, that. Absolutely. <laughs> I really want to see what that is about. Yeah, because my other nominees for this... Or yeah. well, one is linked to this whole story as well. The fact that mm. Adam almost ends up marrying a Nazi. Yeah. But we don't see that. If you'd seen that, that would be quite Meldrew, I think. It is. It, like, I had another thing for it as well as the frog coat. Also, I just want to point out, that frog costume is fucking incredible. Oh, it looks like a, a digital frog. <laughs> it's really good. What is a frog coat? Um, frog coat's like, it's basically a long black coat. Isn't it the one, like, that's what Jack the Ripper wore, right? Yeah. Isn't it the one that like does up around the neck? Yeah. Isn't that what frog I coat is? I typed it in. I'm getting lots of different images for it. <laughs> I've got one that <laughs> I've got a little a kid's rain mac that looks like a frog. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not that. <laughs> that looks like the Adam outfit. Uh, if you type in frog coat Jack the Ripper, though, you do get 
fourth hit, you do get Jonathan Creek, which is good. Um, <laughs> that's not. I tell you Check what, that's like. not bad. Twenty-two years after the fact. Um, I, yeah, I think that one. But also, there is a moment which is quite Meldrew, but it's actually done with quite malice. When the guy, when Jonathan locks the door, when he sees the sort of dodgy-looking guy coming towards him, oh, I've got that. Lockdown well. on his car. Why'd you just do that? Sorry. Lock your door when you saw me. Um. He's an ugly looking pile of shit. I'd better lock my door in case he tries anything. Right? Well, I don't like the look of you either, as it happens. So do you want to get out and discuss it? Hmm? I said, do you want to get out and discuss it? I said, do you want to get out and discuss it? Right, I've got that down because it's terrifying. The guy. He's like really dirty and Ugh. he's got like plaid shirt on. It's almost like they've tried to do a British redneck. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know who that man's meant to be. Yeah, it's kind of strange, isn't it? Um, but all we know is Jonathan feels threatened by him, so locks the door. But I do love the guy's uh, reaction to it, which at the beginning he goes, why did you do that? And he's really so softly spoken. You're like, oh, okay, he's going to make Jonathan feel bad. No, he's going to fucking smash a window and kick his ass. So it turns out Jonathan <laughs> is perfectly justified. In- yeah. <laughs> so I guess that guy exists so uh, Pryke can come and save him. Yeah. So, I, I'm, I'm fine Pryke's with pretty he hard as well. Like, he gets him that hard. Yeah, he's really hard. Uh, again, <laughs> a, a little bit more, like... <laughs> Tiddlywinks line, but a little bit more, you know, kind of uh, reinforced. I think you're saying about um, him being kind of like Sherlock Holmes, whereas it's like actually hard as fuck. Master pugilist. Um, which I wish they kind of lead into a little bit more in uh, in the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch thing, because I like to see him kick some ass. They go wild for it in the Robert um, Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. one. That's pretty much a lot of it is fighting. Isn't that? It's basically just boxing film. I really, like, I really like those films. I've never, never seen like, the sequel, actually. I like the first oh, one. Oh, it's good. I like that idea we, of him you know, being able to uh, analyse an opponent really quickly. That's brilliant. That's a cool it's idea, fantastic. Um, You know who's in the second one that's very, very good? Who? Uh, Jared Harris. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, he's really good. It's, it's definitely worth watching. Like, he is. Like, it's definitely worth watching. That's it is cool. really good. Well, have, you, what, have you got anything else for the Victor Mountain no, Award? No, it was just... Adam marrying a Nazi, but that happens off screen, so I don't think it really is worthy of the award. I think there's an obvious winner for the Meldrew. <laughs> I do. I whenever we good. give this, I imagine it as a gold Victor Meldrew. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, whenever I whenever we think about it, I do imagine that his wife is there just doing that. Oh, like because she can't believe it either. She can't um, believe what? her husband's been impaled on a samurai sword. <laughs> um thing that's dated the most do you have anything for this i really struggle with this one this week so i i've got i've got something uh it's quite it's quite weak i think but it is it is something that you don't see lean into that much anymore um is people feeling sick when they hear a gory thing like oh i'm gonna be sick oh yeah because like, maddie struggles over the car and really struggles with it. Like I feel like that was always a thing in TV when you're growing up, and like people fainting when they see blood and things like that. Whereas now, I, I feel like yeah, maybe, maybe it's we're the, more because of the world. Maybe we're more exposed. The dark to world it. we live in. In post internet yeah. age, where people have seen too many things on Rotten.com yeah. when you're a kid. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, mine was. I feel a bit ungenerous doing this, but it's a little bit about the production. 
the snow. Yeah. They, they really give up on the snow quite quickly through the episode. There's a bit where they go to a forest and it's not even snow. It's just stuff painted white. Yeah. That's not what snow is. <laughs> it's like it, the ground and trees are just sprayed white. They really go to town on in that one scene though, um, which is like the first scene when it comes to the actual house where the murder mm. happens or murder in inverted commas happens. Like the first scene, if you watch... There's so much snow going past that lens. <laughs> They're like, all right, we get it. It's snowing. Do you think that's where all the budget went? So when they had to do the other scene, it's like, we're going to have to paint it white. Yeah, I think they used too much of it. I think in a sort of almost a Meldrew uh, award thing where they filled in a form wrong and they got, instead of getting like two massive uh, tubfuls, they just got two cupfuls and they're like, right, we've got to make this last. And that happened and, and somebody was like <laughs> on the production staff going, go tell David. Yeah. Should, no, he's right. No, he's writing another series. He's writing another series. Yeah. Give him an idea. Most British thing. Uh, I think. To be fair, other than seeing Monument Station, which I think just seeing underground stations is not. Uh, it's it's not just the most British thing. But uh, Rick Mail referring to himself as such a ninny. I've got ninny. You would, <laughs> ninny. ninny is a good one. I think yeah. most British thing. I think just the whole idea of Rick Mail. Yeah, and if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who Rick Mail is, if you take mm. anything away from this podcast apart from watching Jonathan Creek, it is go yeah. and find out who Rick Mail is. Absolutely, um, yeah. Mine is another line. I think it's I think it's a Gideon Pryke line, um, referring to an argument as having a Barney. Yes, that's very good. But yeah, I th- this and that state in most. I've realised even yeah. though this is a longer episode, it's not very topical or contemporary about the time whereas yeah. some of the opposite other episodes kind of bring that stuff in this is almost detached and a lot of it is to do with jonathan's character and stuff that's happened to him before it's not very connected yeah. to the real world this episode i think like that's i i, I think uh, something that is definitely in its favor is i don't i feel like this out of all jonathan creeks dates the least yeah because it like i feel like when you watch it, it doesn't have any 1471 <clears throat> bollocks or anything like that do you know what i mean it's like it doesn't have anything that Pentium can date it that badly uh exactly yeah what the, one of the things that i i put this because i think this is quite an interesting thing to talk about but actually so this was a christmas special um and that whole thing is a very british thing like a series that have been away coming back for a Christmas special. Really? Yeah, it's a really British thing. So I didn't really realize this until, like, you have Christmas episodes, yeah, are always part of the actual series, but shows coming back just for a Christmas special. So I didn't realize this really. If you think, if you think about it and you start looking at all the shows that you watch, you go, yeah, of course, there's like, you, the, all Christmas episodes happen in the run of the show. Um, but I, when we worked at IGN, uh, got to interview John Krasinski. Obviously, like he was in the American office, which we love, um, and did like a really long, like a good, like 30 minute podcast episode with him. And obviously, the idea of the office coming back for a reunion came up. And he said one thing that he would absolutely love to do is a Christmas special. And like, obviously, the office has a Christmas special, like the British office has a Christmas special. Um, But he he says, like, he thinks that's a really wonderful thing that just doesn't exist in the US. Wow, I didn't realize that. Where they bring shows back for the christmas specials like i never watched them because i was never really into it but only fools and horses i, I genuinely love those huge sitcom when i was a kid those yeah. three episodes that they did which should have mm. been the finale of the entire show and then they weirdly brought it back yeah. after it 
That was a yeah. like proper huge viewing. I think I was probably like 10 or 11 when they were on. So very similar time to this. Mm. It was massive, those three episodes. Because yeah. it was going to wrap up the whole show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not an American thing. It's just a very, very British thing. Where they just bring back a show that's been dead for ages. Bring back all the characters and just have a little catch up for them with them around Christmas. I think we, like, we've talked about this before on other podcasts. But when we were kids, you used to do that thing where you get the... TV times or the radio times and oh, highlight yeah. everything you wanted to watch over Christmas. And like, yeah. this is my plan. And when something like Jonathan Creepy on, absolutely. Oh, that's Christmas Eve. Yeah. It feels like a little present. Mm. And just it obviously having the wintry theme, something quite cozy about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, the, the good thing, I think the BBC have started doing it around Christmas. Like both of us are really into it. It's like doing, a Christmas ghost story. Yeah, brought about that. I think I really like that idea. I think that's really good. Yeah. Um. Well, I wonder if we can, because I know some of the specials of Jonathan Creek happen like Christmas, Boxing Day, New Year's, New Year's Day. Easter. I'm pretty sure some of them are Easter as well. They've done some well. Easter ones, like, yeah, a couple of times. Do you think Christmas is like prime time? Easter is... I think so. I also think something about Christmas <laughs> that suits Jonathan Creek. Cause like, you, you know, something a bit spooky works at Christmas in British culture. Because ghost, yeah, a ghost story yeah. of Christmas is an old thing. Christmas Carol, the most famous story, mm. is a ghost story. There's something to the kind of spookiness at Christmas that I like. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, that's all I've got for most British thing, really. Same. Got quite a lot for this. Oh, yes, me too. The next two, <laughs> next two are brimming. So we talk about this every week. But, you know, this was, this was made in 1998, this came out. Um, and some things that, you know, were okay to talk about on a Saturday night on Christmas Eve back then are definitely not a right to talk about now. Um, I, I mean, it's always Adam Klaus in all this, isn't it, really? Yeah. Like, some of the stuff that he says with this. Um, like, I think the way that he talks about his wardrobe assistant at the beginning calling her whiter than white yeah it's basically this is not grot cabinet out. this is not all no. right yeah he's he's talked about he's talking about her because she's a virgin he's found out that she's a virgin and then also found out that she's like super pure so she doesn't drink or take any drugs and he floats the idea of switching her drinks in the bar that night yeah to i guess drug almost like get her so drunk that she sleeps well, just her. like i think what it I think what it is, is him giving her an alcoholic drink. But to someone who never drinks, you are, that is the same as day rape. That's yeah. what he's saying. And he's also, what's bad about it? It's like saying to Jonathan, who doesn't really react to it. It's like, oh. yeah. He's, I think that's, because, not, that's what takes this from grot cabinet to that's not all right. Is yeah. he's so predatory with her. I also as well, do you know the thing that I kind of think is kind of unfair? It would have been, re I obviously, and this is generally why it's in Is That Alright rather than Grot Cabinet, is Jonathan doesn't bring hold him up on it. He just puts it down as, that's, oh God, that's Adam being so sleazy. Yeah. And he, because he doesn't think there's anything that wrong with that because we do see him fucking flip out about the frog costume. Yeah. So he's, it's not like he's afraid to tell Adam no. when he's being a prick. Increasingly. Because we see a lot advice. of times. <laughs> yeah. So he generally, he doesn't put that down to actually not being all right. He just puts it down to him being a creep. I guess which, that's, uh, also, you know. like, maybe that's also a little bit dated is the fact that, I don't know if you'd have that now, just the fact that a woman from Austria is treated as such a weird thing. Like she's from a different yeah. planet. <laughs> 
as yeah, a plot it's really point. Strange. Like, someone from a different country. It's weird how it's handled. Yeah. Um, the I fact get, that he's like, doing all this research on her is really creepy. Yeah. And then like, it walks into her, just zoomed in on her boobs. Oh, yeah, that pen thing. Uh, that's pretty grim. That whole pen thing uh, obviously has to serve a multiple, like a multitude of uses in this episode. Yeah, it really does. Also, I just think it's, <laughs> it's a crap trick, though, because why is the member of the audience blindfolded? They're yeah. blindfolded so they can't look at the book, but it actually doesn't... Mm. It's weird. That is crap, yeah. Um, I do... This was, to be fair... I do think you do get it. I'm sure it happens in America as well. I just have more uh, experience of it with British. Like my dad was like, a, but just people being obsessed with gadgets and the way De- David Reynolds you with sometimes Instagram writes, products. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like um, the way David Renwick writes about tech yeah. and uses tech. Like he obviously loves this little camera thing because it's in about five oh, different yeah. scenes. Also, referring to it as like fiber optic fiber. It's not. Yeah. It's a big old no. camera. <laughs> um, I don't want to linger on it too much, but also some of the actual dialogue that Adam says referring to the Austrian lady. He's essentially mm. talking about her being intact. Yeah. That's horrible. The Christmas Eve, primetime, BBC yeah. One. Also, I like. it's not right. It's just crap, I think, the fact that she turns out to be a Nazi. Be a Nazi. Yeah. Because you, think how you, you get all lazy that. that. Do you think there's? Do you think there's a, de- a deleted scene, or because the way the the way that he delivers it suggests that we were never going to see that scene? Yeah, it's quite detailed, it such isn't it? detailed. Yeah, but I do, I do think it's really odd to just have all this big stuff happening off screen. It's almost like oh yeah, Adam is this character who gets all these. He is he is Meldrew, the most Meldrew character I think gets yeah. himself into all these crazy scrapes. But the way, yeah, the way that this episode ends with him going off in the hospital going, oh, God. <laughs> this, is, this is 98 and an Austrian yeah. lady turns out to be a Nazi. Come on. I think, uh, have you got anything more about that particular strand? Not that strand, no. I'm, I'm good with that. I, I've got something, like, not all right, um, which, <laughs> like, the Mr. Keeler, like, Panduk Lao. Um, I mean, it's on the run like, of Gallows Gate. And red cap. <laughs> yeah, it's it's following on from Kiko, the yeah. the triads, and this. Uh, do you want to know something that makes it infinitely worse? Go on. In the news broadcast at the beginning of Mother Red Cap, where they show the lineup of you, uh, you're kidding Asian me, hitmen, you're kidding me. <laughs> Pan Vincent Wong, who plays Pan Duck Lao, is one of the faces that you see in the newscast. And this is not me being racist, is absolutely him. So not only do they reuse the hitmen for three different, and I know, like, we will, you, you should check this because I, I you definitely should. It is a hundred percent. It's him. It's it because it's not even. They haven't even changed his makeup. It's Pan Duck Lao. They've taken a picture of Pan Duck Lao and they've put him I in the they newscast of together. Mother Red Cap. Yeah, it must have. And they're just like, oh, we need another agent for this. Oh, don't worry, we've got this photo of Vin- uh, Vincent Wong that we used the other day. We'll stick him in it. That's not all right. That's not. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. I didn't know that. It's a bad run of three episodes here. <laughs> it really is. Um, that's really not. 
um that I, I like that whole thing i guess the the music for me is the most offensive thing about all the mystic healer thing because it's like mongolian throat singing and they're just like where's this guy meant to be from you can't make up your yeah. mind they say vietnam don't they at one point the whole thing's a <laughs> sham um yeah similarly um <laughs> when they're talking about when beryl's a uh, beryl's funeral yeah. do you know this one you got this one no, Hannah on. um, Hannah runs away to Australia and she sends back a poem to be read at the funeral in Aborigine. The, this is a quote. The vicar read it out, sounding like he was having a seizure. Mm. That's not it's, honest, it, it? We've been talking about this recently. It's like something you have quite frequently, unbelievably, with Welsh. It's like Mate, people, don't, yeah, people don't understand that. Other languages sound different. Two days before recording this <laughs> podcast, in the year of our Lord, 2020, BuzzFeed did an article oh. that just said, oh, it is basically, are these towns from Wales real or did I make them up? And then the subhead was letters or have I, like actual words or have I fallen asleep on my keyboard? It's like, it's 2020. But how is that allowed? <laughs> What's I thought I, I saw Stefan like, it's like, yeah. Other languages written down, they do look differently. Yeah. And that's literally what you're saying. <laughs> and like, you obviously you never sure want to say... you can't read a language you don't speak? <laughs> like, you know, uh, uh, as as Welsh people, we've, you know, we're quite lucky in a lot of respects because we were all born Welsh and that makes you the best in the world. But, you know, and I know that we've got it quite easily compared to quite a lot of people, but it does kind of make you think sometimes, like, if you wrote that about other languages, like, you just wouldn't. You just wouldn't. But it's just like, it just see with Welsh people, it's just like, yeah, it's fine. Absolutely fine. We've talked about this a lot. There's certain countries where there's kind of, it's okay to do it. Like, yeah. Eastern Europe is one as well, where it's okay to trade in some kind of lazy stereotype still that you wouldn't do with 100%, other countries yeah well that's the thing that we before we recorded a podcast recently i told you about a documentary about uh the guy from everybody loves raymond uh, a documentary that i saw in 2000 um it's about him going to russia to help make a russian version of everybody loves raymond mm. i remember at the time being like oh it's really funny and then when i watched the trailer back i said to you i was like yeah it's uh it's actually really offensive it's basically like Borat. <laughs> <laughs> but real yeah because <laughs> it's just like depicting it as like a fucking hell yeah it's like bleak um, and also like oh, everyone over there is really stupid or weird it's like it really yeah so that really was um weird. beryl's poem in aborigine i mean there's <laughs> um, one big one. Oh well I, I i mine is quite a small one so it's not this one mine is because <laughs> obviously maddie feels a little tiny bit threatened by charlotte yeah. um and she like i don't think she's being overtly a, a, a dickhead nah. in she's being quite she's being quite spiky but she's not she horrible says something she's not horrible but she does say something and she says it on purpose when charlotte's explaining uh that Mar that morella had this like awful um like used to they were a double act basically and they used to share the money um charlotte says and they used to, uh, and with the money they used to and Maddie goes, was it split down the middle? Oh, yeah. And you just go, whatever you think, that that did genuinely happen to, well, it's actually her mother, her but aunt. that did genuinely happen to her aunt. That is a family tragedy that you're bringing up because you're a little bit annoyed. Yeah, that that's... that's he, he fancies her. That's, that's not really good at all, not is it? Right. <laughs> that's not all right yeah. at all. But what's your big one? What have you got? 
the subplot regarding the gender of Pryke's sergeant. Oh my god. Why yeah. does this exist? I have no also, idea. Also, why did the why have they made them look a bit like Jonathan? That's really odd. Because I think that's more the thing I would comment on that. Why does his sergeant look a bit like you, Jonathan? He's wearing a big coat and he's got big curly hair. Because also, I don't think it is that. But also, one, it doesn't matter. But it's weird that they get fixated on it and it becomes this betting game. But it it's, only comes back like once or twice. And it's, it's, I don't know, I don't get it. I genuinely don't. Watching it again today, I've seen this episode loads. You feel mm. like it's there and it's going to pay off by being connected to the plot. Yeah. It's not at all. No, it absolutely is not. The only, I guess the only thing that it does kind of serve is to kind of it kind of advance their relationship a little bit where they just go it's just they are always firmly at odds even when sometimes yeah. even when sometimes they're they're kind of on the same side because yeah. they switch sides at the, then end. At the end and it's just like so it kind of shows that they can never see <clears throat> even though sometimes they are seeing it but not overtly from the other person's mm. point of view they even can't do it when they do yeah but fuck it. I just, um, yeah, it's a it's a baffling aspect. I really wish it didn't exist in this episode. Does like I know we were saying about it, like dating and stuff like that, but that is pretty bad, isn't it? Um, and I, I'm also very aware that we went this uh, <laughs> this episode is timeless. And then go on talk about some stuff that is fucking disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's all I've got. Like, let's open up the grot cabinet. I don't know if I have anything to put in this. Oh, I do. Oh, do you? Mm, a little bit. I got a couple of. Okay. I don't think it's it's not pure grot. It's not Adam grot. To be fair, I had yeah. some of the Adam comments around um, the Austrian lady in here. Yeah. Just him talking about. Um, Can you believe a creature like that's never felt a man's tongue on her epiglottis? Oh, Again, why? it's similar to the other things we've heard him say in recent episodes. Yeah. Just say you'd like to kiss Is her. It- just say, I would like to kiss her. But also, what's really, really strange is he's not like that when he's talking about anything else other no. than women. When he's talking about normal stuff, he doesn't really, he doesn't overspeak and he doesn't mm-hmm. use like massively flowery words. Yeah, he talks about the cups and but balls. But when he talks about he's women. He's no innuendo. Yeah. He's literally just talking about cups and balls. <laughs> yeah, when he talks about women, it just sounds awful. So two like small things here. One... Giving one of your main characters a surname that is a, an infection of the penis. <laughs> Balanitis, Jerry Balanitis. That's like, really good. Why? Yeah. Let's <laughs> um, put that one. And then the other one I put in is after the window is broken again yeah. and they go to the house, she's Jonathan's shirt's up and she's removed. He's almost got like this Marvel six pack shot where she's removing yeah. bits of glass from his body. Yeah, that's really One, weird. It's smashed window. It's not embedded in his skin. But she's like removing no. them from his like stomach. But also, even if like say how is the glass getting in his bits of stomach? Yeah. Because he's sitting down, he's got about three different he's got layers. Duffel on coat on. As we're meant to think that this is winter and it's and I understand, I understand like, why that scene exists, because it's there to make Maddie jealous. And earlier yeah. in the show, there's an ep- the scene we'll get onto where Maddie is literally in between them two in the lift. This is a yeah. reversal of that scene where Charlotte is in the middle of them two. So I think it's a nice little mirror to that. But she's Jonathan's got a shirt up, which we've not seen before. It's quite. I mean, it's, yeah. it reminded me a bit of like when Paul Rudd gets it off in um, Ant Man. It's his MCU oh, yeah. shot. Yeah, that's really good. That it's, it's actually that. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Uh, and also. I think actually it's meant to be that the guy 
almost reaches through the window to, and pulls him out uh, of so the window. Got it on him. So I guess he uh, would have got actually, some on him. So I okay, think fair. that's what it is. Um, so maybe, yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm wrong there. Uh, but yeah, it is still really, really strange. Also, it's strange to have that in such a uh, like cluttered area. Like that's a scene of a crime almost. Although they're doing it in the room where her dad saw her mum get shot. She did, do it somewhere else. And while she's doing it, Maddie's inspecting the room. Just it's like, ridiculous. Uh, uh, it's kind of strange. <clears throat> um, but I don't really have anything to grot cabinet. I'm happy to shut it. Keep Adam in there for another week so he can't cause any fucking ructions uh, or befriend any Nazis and say horrible things. Um, it is good Jonathan and Maddie update this week. And what's really strange is the last time we had... a. a an update that was as good as this was when there is another person involved. Mm. So it's like on No Trace of Tracy with Sheena, the horrible Sheena. God, um, I hate Sheena. And, I think you said, and you said at the time, but it was like, it's interesting. It's like they need other people to kind of be a catalyst and kind of move it on a little bit because these two are refusing to do well, it. I didn't mean to like do it yeah, like no. they say do well, it in the show, by the way. Think about where we were in Gallows Gate <laughs> and Red Cap. They were basically yeah. going to have dates with other people. And yeah. the introduction of Charlotte, which is a nice little bit of backstory for Jonathan, that we, we realise that yeah. Jonathan has had relationships with loves before interests. And it's actually a yeah. really sad story. It's really sad. I, it's, it's genuinely melancholic what happened with them. Yeah. So maybe we should like just delve into what happened with them a little bit because they've got this sliding doors moment almost at the beginning of the episode where he passes yeah. this person who I think Adam refers to as the lust of his life, but definitely yeah. was in love with her. And they seem to get on. It's kind of nice that she was the daughter of a famous magician. So she yeah, knows all about magic. Because when they go outside of yeah. his windmill, she knows exactly the posters he would have up inside. It yeah. seems like they're a really good match in lots of ways. She's a scientist, a biological scientist like his parents. Yeah. There's a lot in common though. Of... But he just thinks it'll go wrong. So that's why he doesn't go for that coffee. And that's the thing. It's like when he talks, it is really, really sad. Like sometimes before when i used to watch this i used to think well that's awful what you're an idiot what are you doing but actually when you watch it, you're just like i know he's you know he's kind of talking it up a little bit in front he's like this you know in front of adam but i bet at the time he was probably heartbroken yeah but um, what's the psychology of that why can't he go up why can't he be happy because yeah. when we it's kind of late know. in the episode we hear that story from her perspective she says it's a maddie she's like i was she i think she uses the phrase like i was offering myself on a plate to him I wanted yeah. him. Yeah. I, I loved him. And he just he just thinks kinda, it'll go wrong. And also as well, doesn't realise that he was having a lady offering herself on a yeah. plate to him. It's like, this is it's kind of bang into what we talk about all this the time. This is quick like, save Jonathan. He doesn't, he, he doesn't this know. This is quick save does not cheddar know. sandwich Jonathan. <laughs> I says like Charlotte um, Carney, who I desired more than oxygen. <laughs> That's almost Klaus level of talking about women there, but we'll for, we'll forgive it because it's a bit like Jonathan. Um, it's uh, some good stuff with Maddie, um, but as well, the actual lip reading uh, mm. thing is actually quite genius from her. I think. Yeah, it's really canny. I suppose Maddie's more like looks like comfy old sweatshirt. Go on. That you're happy to just keep putting on day after day. Thanks. That's been educational. It's really canny because I, I remember even like 
in past years when I've been watching this, I'm always forgetting that actually Jerry is there's something wrong with his ears. Yeah, because <laughs> you see that like when they first meet him, obviously, and you just think, oh, it's just mm. a weird bit of character. And it's a really, really small thing. And then she also gets to know about the camera thing and then puts all that yeah, together. Yeah, those two elements come together quite nicely. It's the first time we've had in a while where one of the main characters, Jonathan and Maddie, who are in this weird relationship, give yeah. a status update on how they see it. Yeah. And it's, Jonathan, it's not nice language, but he says... It's a comfy old sweatshirt that you're just happy to keep putting on day after day. Why does he say that about her? I don't know. I, th- I don't care. That's such a horrible thing to say. But also, comfy old sweatshirt, suggest- it- for me, if you were referring to yeah. this comfy old sweatshirt, would ref- would think that you were like, you know, six to ten years into a relationship. Say, and you're like, into you've a hit a bit of a lull. They're not yeah. even into it. And but they've almost gone to this place where they've plateaued as friends. That is this like... yeah. It's like pseudo relationship where they have dinner all mm. the time together, they cook for each other, they stay over at each other's places. They just don't have a full relationship. It's really odd, isn't it? Like it's a really, really strange thing because it's not because of anything. It's because I don't, I don't know what it he is. He says it's not. He says something like it's not even worth bothering to think about it. What's that? Yeah, it's almost like he's tired of it. Yeah, maybe. It's kind of strange, isn't it? It's, I kind of don't understand. But it. within the... And I, I definitely don't understand calling her a comfy old No, it's, 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 it's really horrible. But mm. you put Charlotte in this mix, suddenly yeah. the catalyst is there and those feelings start igniting, especially I think on Maddie's side where she's like, I don't want to lose Jonathan. Yeah. So she actually becomes way more active in kind of sabotaging <clears throat> maybe something coming yeah. back between Charlotte and Jonathan, particularly the scene where... Charlotte offers to drive Jonathan back home because she's like, oh, you don't need to go via London. I can take you straight there. Because it's a really nice thing, actually, where Jonathan says, she says, oh, it'll only take me 40 minutes. And he's like, oh, two hours and uh, 50 something minutes. He's like, 41 minutes because not taking off the one hour 59 we stopped in the pub. So they actually Uh, go for dinner. They have like a little, they have a little date. I know, that'd be great, wouldn't it? No pub scenes in there. Piss take um but yeah so they go for dinner and come back and then that's how she's there but oh, it's so- uh, also it's, it's kind of strange as well because i do really feel sorry for maddie but then the the cockroach thing is really strange i almost would have preferred it if she just did it on off her off her own yeah back. that she wanted to yeah and she just gone because she did like her house being covered in cockroaches we know that she's absolutely terrified of one so her bed open up you know open up your bed and seeing what fucking hundreds I mean, of nobody, cockroaches i was like it and i'm not scared of them that's awful um but then i guess maybe we're meant to feel a little bit more sorry for maddie and actually if she just went there you wouldn't feel sorry for yeah. her you just think she's just being a bit naughty well also at the end he like she just lies to him about like charlotte being into him i cannot believe that but she just she just goes for it she's like i don't want to give you up i'm gonna lie to you now i think it's quite bad like I think that's really bad. Because you want Jonathan I, to choose to be with you, not because there's no choice. <laughs> yeah. Because it feels like he's really in love with Charlotte. Oh, it's so and, sad the way he looks at like... And you wreck that by lying. I think that good, is, is... I don't think that's nice writing either because makes you, now I'll remember ma- that. It makes you feel like, oh, I don't want Jonathan to end up with you. Yeah. When, whereas before, I'm always kind of wanting to get together, whereas that's not a nice... Yeah way of it happening it's quite evil yeah the heart wants what it wants gav exactly daniel exactly what an episode though what an episode 
I think by far my favorite episode of Jonathan Creek. It'd be a brilliant episode anyway, and it has Rick Mail in it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> On the next episode, we're investigating a man who makes a pact with the devil in the curious tale of Mr. Spearfish. Thank you.